WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The Michigan House has nearly wrapped up its legislative session for the year today, and State Representative Joey Andrews says it's been a busy one. We caught up with him and hear his thoughts on the first year of lawmaking with Democrats in charge in Lansing for about 40, 40 years. He tells us they didn't waste any time pushing through key priorities. The tax relief that we gave to seniors and working families, repealing right to work, restoring abortion protections by repealing the abortion ban, and expanding Elliot Larson were some of the, I think, high watermarks as far as what we were able to accomplish for the people of the state. Andrew says local issues that he's proud to have addressed are funding to reopen the Palisades nuclear power plant and debt forgiveness for Benton Harbor area schools. So what do constituents bring up with them? We hear a lot about, especially from women, about you know getting the abortion ban repealed and the reproductive health act bills that we just recently passed. You know, I think for a lot of people that was a, a critical part of the election last year, and delivering on that has been a, a big deal for them. Andrew says it's a disappointment that short-term rental legislation did not get finished by the end of the session, but it's a complex issue that needs more negotiation. Also, he had a bill that would lift a preemption on local wage setting and workforce standards that didn't quite make it through. He says lawmakers can pick up where they left off when they return to Lansing early next year. For now, he says he's got a lot of in-district work to do for the winter. Meanwhile, the Michigan House has approved legislation that would give a tax break to large data centers. Cornerstone Alliance President Rob Cleveland testified in favor of the idea in Lansing and tells us the bill, which would exempt data center equipment from use and sales tax, is a game-changer. Cleveland explained. In the state of Michigan, we do not have a data center sales tax exemption, and 34 other states in the country do, so it sets us at a disadvantage. So this legislation would exempt those enterprise data centers from sales tax, and when you're talking about the data center equipment, that stuff changes over about every 18 months to two years, so they're spending millions of dollars in just taxes. Cleveland says giving data centers a break would make the state far more attractive for investment. He says while enterprise data centers don't necessarily provide a large number of jobs, they do pay a lot in property tax, and the jobs they do provide tend to be high-paying. Cornerstone Alliance has a site in Benton Township. It's been shopping around two developers, and one possible use for it is a data center. The legislation allowing the tax exemption now goes on to the state Senate. Now the Midwest Energy and Communications has secured a $27 million state grant to expand broadband in Berrien County. You can expect construction to start soon. MEC's Candy Ream spoke to the Berrien County Board of Commissioners today to explain how customers can go about signing up for new high-speed internet service. The signing up for service is relatively easy. You can go to our website. There's an icon that has the internet and then something that says check address eligibility. So you're just going to click on that. They're going to put their address in. It's going to put them in one of those zones. It will give them the estimated time and then they'll be able to walk through that. Ream says the website also has a timeline for when, when, which areas will get service installed. This is really the best way for them to not only get information the quickest, but to get signed up for service. It's a very easy process to sign up for service. Reem said a customer can sign up now for MEC broadband even before the installation work is finished. The fee for installation is $100, and the monthly rates for MEC broadband will be about the same as other providers. We'll have links to learn more at our website. MEC's work is expected to make broadband available to 5,000 properties that currently lack it, many in rural areas. The work will start in Bertrand Township in the second quarter of 2024. Next up will be Galeen, Baroda, and Eau Claire later next year, and then the project will wrap up with Hager Township, 12 Corners, and Benton Township, and Coloma Township in the third quarter of 2025. 
A private ceremony has been held to rededicate a bridge between Benton Harbor and St. Joseph in honor of former Benton Harbor Mayor Charles Freeman Joseph. He served as the city's first black mayor from 1971 to 1976. Harbor Shores Redevelopment Managing Director Chris Cook tells us the bridge links Whitwam Drive in St. Joseph and Riverview Drive in Benton Harbor. The bridge was originally dedicated and named after Charles Freeman Joseph back in 2005. And you may recall there was a plywood sign that was put up at that time designating it as such. And we just thought it was time to better celebrate what Charles Freeman Joseph did for the community with a plaque that gives some history of his involvement with the city. Cook says anyone can now go to the bridge to read the plaque to learn about Mayor Joseph and local history. As mayor, Joseph pushed for major infrastructure and building projects like the police and fire department buildings connected to City Hall, the Dial-A-Ride building on Main Street and a recreation facility behind Benton Harbor High School. In his career, he also worked for Whirlpool Corporation for nine years and spent 42 years in the Air Force. Cook says around 20 family members of Joseph, along with Whirlpool representatives and city officials, attended last week's rededication. Mayor Joseph couldn't make it as he now lives in Arizona. A possible revaluation of the Cook nuclear power plant in Bridgman could have a big impact on Berrien County. Speaking to the County Board of Commissioners today, County Administrator Brian DeSette said the county is currently going through a tax appeal with the state related to the plant. The bridge was originally dedicated and named after Charles Freeman Joseph back in 2005. And you may recall there was a plywood sign that was put up at that time designating it as such. And we just thought it was time to better celebrate what Charles Freeman Joseph did for the community with a plaque that gives some history of his involvement with the city. DeSette said if the revaluation of Cook is approved by the state, the county, Lake Township, and Bridgman Public Schools will all be affected. Due to the way the process works, he said Lake Township has to lead the appeal with the state and the county's providing the township support. He expects the matter will drag out for a long time. There will be plenty happening around Southwest Michigan to honor veterans this Saturday as part of Veterans Day. Berrien County Sheriff Paul Bailey tells us a salute to our veterans program will be held at Eau Claire High School. It'll be in the gym starting at 5 p.m. with a dinner. Then a guest speaker will address the crowd at 7. All the branches of the service are recognized. The principal is the speaker. And then they have a, a guest speaker coming in to speak that is a veteran. And the Eau Claire band's there playing the music of each division of the Army, the Navy, the Marines. So it's just a great evening to recognize and tell our veterans thank you for serving our country. The speaker will be John Meeks II, who served in Vietnam. All veterans are welcome to bring one guest for dinner, which will be chicken. Also on Saturday, the Daughters of the American Revolution will hold their annual wreath laying on the bluff in St. Joseph at 11 a.m. Representatives of the Pokagon Band of Potawatomi will be on hand because the ceremony will honor one of the soldiers listed on the World War I monument, a Native American named Henry Quigno. The ceremony will start with sirens and then a moment of silence. Also in New Buffalo, the American Legion Post 169 is having a flag retirement ceremony at 11 a.m. Saturday with a dinner from 4 to 7. And a Michigan judge heard arguments today on dueling lawsuits that revolve around whether Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson has the authority to keep Donald Trump's name off state ballots for president next year. Attorney Michael Colombo argued to keep the former president on the ballot. This case and others like it demand reading the law as a whole and interpreting the parts in ways that let the system work. We have to avoid inadvertently creating a crisis that an otherwise blinkered approach might cause. Other activists are suing Benson in the Michigan Court of Appeals to force her to keep Trump's name off the ballot. Benson has publicly said that she believes voters should get to decide. 
WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dowagiac, where furniture shopping is fun. There are just eight days until another possible government shutdown with no spending deal in sight. ABC's Andy Field tells us the president's already rejecting a new Senate Republican plan to help Ukraine and Israel and secure the southern border. Senate Republicans want more money to keep building former President Trump's border wall and tougher asylum rules before they say yes to more Ukraine and Israeli military aid. White House reaction? We don't see anything in that proposal uh, about creating an earned path to citizenship for DREAMers. Uh, and White House spokesperson Olivia Dalton saying the president will discuss immigration after they pass the emergency funding and keep the government open. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. The White House says Israel has agreed to put in place four-hour daily humanitarian pauses in its assault on Hamas in northern Gaza. The Biden administration says it secured a second pathway for citizens to flee the fighting. President Biden had asked Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to institute the daily pauses during a Monday call. National Security Spokesperson John Kirby says the first humanitarian pause will be announced on Thursday, and the Israelis have committed to announcing each four-hour window at least three hours in advance. Biden says he asked the Israelis for a pause of at least three days during negotiations over the release of hostages held by Hamas. Meanwhile, there are more questions than answers after the White House today announced Israel agreed to a four-hour daily pause in the fighting in Gaza. ABC's Inez de la Quatera has more in Jerusalem. President Biden pushing the Israeli prime minister for these pauses just on Monday in that phone call. We know the secretary of state, Antony Blinken, was here in the region also pushing for these pauses to get humanitarian aid into Gaza, to get people out of northern Gaza. But we are starting to hear from the Israelis. They're saying we are already doing this de facto. They say this is not a shift, reiterating that there would be no ceasefire. Fist fights have broken out in bread lines. Residents wait hours for a gallon of brackish water that makes them sick. Scabies, diarrhea, and respiratory infections rip through overcrowded shelters, and some families have to choose who eats. With the Israel-Hamas war in its second month and more than 10,000 people killed in Gaza, trapped civilians are struggling to survive without electricity or running water. Over half a million displaced people have crammed into hospitals and U.N. schools turned into shelters in the south. Each day has become a mind-numbing cycle of searching for bread and water and waiting in lines. A sense of desperation has strained Gaza's close-knit society and even emboldened some Palestinians to vent their anger against the ruling Hamas militant group. President Biden traveled to Illinois today to meet with auto workers at a shuttered plant that will reopen after strike negotiations with automaker Stellantis. He spoke about his support for unions, his economic agenda, and his predecessor and possible repeat election rival Donald Trump. ABC's Karen Travers has more. President Biden took several jabs at former President Donald Trump during remarks to a fired-up audience of UAW union members in Illinois, telling them that Trump's policy decisions led to factories being closed and tens of thousands of jobs being lost across the U.S. The president also reminded the auto workers he had their back during their strike against the big three automakers. I stood and others stood with you shoulder to shoulder on that picket line. My predecessor went to a non-union shop and attacked you. The president, who does not yet have the endorsement of the UAW, said he hopes the auto workers have good memories. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Surgeons in New York have performed the world's first transplant of an entire human eye, an extraordinary addition to a face transplant. It's far too soon to know if it will offer any vision, but doctors at NYU Health say that Aaron James is recovering well from the dual transplants last May, and the eye looks remarkably healthy. The Hot Springs, Arkansas man lost much of his face, one eye and an arm in an accident with high-voltage power lines. Doctors hoped the eye experiment would yield better cosmetic results for his face transplant. 
West Virginia Democratic Senator Joan Manchin, who has at times been the lone voice in his party in seeking to hold back parts of the president's agenda, says he will not remain in the Senate after next year. The move could threaten Democrats' fragile hold on the majority in the chamber. ABC's Stephen Portnoy has more. Joe Manchin says instead of running for a third term in the Senate, he'll be spending his time traveling the country. To see if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle. It's not an explicit announcement of a run for the presidency, but for months Manchin has refused to rule one out. This past July, he spoke at an event in New Hampshire sponsored by No Labels, the group that might seek to put a third-party candidate on the ballot next year. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington.